You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Friends, here we are at the final interview episode of 2019 for Fly on the Call, Candid Conversations on Music. Today's guest is Eli Ennis of Swither, a band from Pittsburgh that blends power pop, punk, and a variety of other sounds. They just released their self-titled debut LP, which immediately caught my attention, in a similar way that Diva Sweetly's In the Living Room did earlier this year. Swither has an intense, raw energy, and fresh songwriting that is hard to ignore. Please enjoy this conversation, and don't forget to check back next week for a quick reflection and update on the podcast, as well as the best releases of 2019 Roundtable, dropping in sync with the ball on New Year's Eve. Is that time of year kind of where everyone's reflecting on like the year in music? So I was curious what's kind of like an album that you've really loved this year that like not enough people are talking about. Ooh, um, I would have to go with the, the Rosie Tucker album. Uh, never, not, never, not, never, not. I think it's, it's a long <laughs> title. Um, but yeah, I, I like stumbled into that album slightly before it came out earlier in March and then, I've just been, it's just stuck with me all year. Um, I just think Rosie's like, like a phenomenal songwriter and like musician. Um, pretty much every, checks like every box I want out of that type of indie rock. So I've just been trying to plug it all year. I feel like the alternative is super on it. I hope other people are as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, I haven't checked it out, but it's like I've seen the name popping up like more and more consistently over time. So I definitely got to add it to my list now. <laughs> I know everyone's got a list that's like way too long, but <laughs> myself included, but Rosie Tucker is the best. <laughs> and yeah, I'm kind of curious like about the origin story of Swither. How did you all kind of like meet and decide to start the band? Yeah, so... Um... I went to college at the University of Albany. I'm from I'm from Rochester, New York. Um, and when I was there, I met our you know I, so I play guitar, and then our bassist Hayden also went to U Albany. He's from Pittsburgh. Um, and him and I met in probably 2015 and became friends. And he ended up leaving U Albany that year or that semester to move back to his hometown of Pittsburgh. Um, but he and I stayed in contact and eventually we realized like, Hey, we have a very similar taste. Once I graduated from Albany, I would just sort of move to Pittsburgh on a whim. And not that I had anyone there that I really knew besides him and, um, just kind of start it. So it, it, it ended up happening. I, I did that like immediately after I graduated. Um, 
2017. And then it was kind of him and I writing and playing for that summer. And by the end of the summer, we had drafted Pat um, to be our drummer. And then the next year of June 2018, I guess, Julia, um, was, who was my best friend from college, she's also from New York, she decided, hey, I'm going to come to Pittsburgh too. And she wanted to start to join the band. And Swither was uh, was finalized. <laughs> yeah, that's really rad how you kind of all kind of coalesced from your separate places and stuff. No, I'm just, it's always kind of a mouthful to explain, but I, I feel like it's, it's kind of interesting, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and what's like the Pittsburgh scene been like for you? The Pittsburgh scene has been like overwhelmingly accepting of us like right off the bat, like so supportive. Um, I mean, it's there's a really strong like college DIY scene here. Um, none of us, except for Hayden, went to college here, but we were immediately able to just like join that, start playing house shows, start playing like DIY spots. Um, there's a place here called the Mr. Roboto Project that's like a, a fully legal, up and running, um, community run DIY spot that is just like two minutes from um, my house right now. So we, we play that all the time. And um, there's like a really like eclectic. Uh, amount of bands in in sort of operating within the scene like there's a good amount of emo there's some standard indie rock there's some cool like grunge and psych rock and hardcore and like it kind of just all comes together so all the bills are pretty uh all over the place and i feel like our music is kind of just uh, all over the place so it, <laughs> it worked out really well that we were able to just start playing with a variety of bands and i'm cu- kind of curious with like pretty much like everyone in the band providing vocals at um like separate parts of like in separate parts of the songs and stuff like how do you like balance all of the kind of like the different singing voices um i think it's pretty natural uh i think like the four of us have four pretty different voices pat he's he's the one with probably like the best voice classically speaking <laughs> you can hit the highest notes uh he'll just sort of add harmonies you know, just at practice over stuff that I've, me or Hayden has written. And then we're just like, oh, that's sick. Yeah, do that. And then um, Julia is particularly good at being really loud. <laughs> so on the song <laughs> Sharpshooter and the song Christmas, like she just has a great like energy that I think served those songs. Um, so it kind of just depends. But I guess for the song Car Crash Daydreams, which is the one that we all sing on, pretty equally that was like I guess a melody and like a general like the I wrote the hook and I wrote a verse and then I was like I don't really know where this is gonna go what if everyone like wrote their own verse and so everyone wrote a different verse of that and then we switched off every line so we all kind of collaborated on that one and that's the one that you really do hear all of our voices going at the same time yeah, that was one that like stood out to me. Like, I, I really love how, like you said, kind of going back and forth between the lines. But I, I love like the overlap between, um, like when you do the switch off, how there's like a little bit of overlap and, uh, yeah, like I like that blending of the so- the sounds. <laughs> and I, I saw on like the uh, your Bandcamp like description for the album that uh, this is your first album and you did it DIY as hell. Uh, like, could you expand on that like a little bit? <laughs> For sure. Um, so we recorded the album with uh, our, our friend Kevin Dar, um, who's a, a guy from Pittsburgh, um, childhood friend of Hayden's. And we recorded our EP with him. He was a, 
um, a music production student at uh, Carnegie Mellon, one of the colleges here. So we recorded our EP with him when he was still in school, or maybe he had just graduated. And um, and then we knew we we knew we kind of wanted to do the album with him too. And we have way better equipment this time around, and he had learned a lot from the first go. Um, so we decided to just like you know do it ourselves again, and, and we went to a cabin. Kevin's family's cabin in like the middle of nowhere um, back in the spring and tracked all the instrumentals in a day. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, which it, it was fun. It was a lot. Um, we thought we were going to do vocals out there maybe, but we were just kind of burnt out. So we did vocals actually like in my basement, which is where we practiced. And then we mixed it all and, and Kevin mixed it all in his home studio, which is just like his computer room um and he did the mastering too so like kevin was the the tech guy that he did all the setting up all the recording equipment and whatnot and doing all the mixing and the mastering but we were like there and present for all of it and giving our input so like there wasn't an outside body or outside influence and it was all kind of just like oh i don't know how to do this let's figure out how to do it and I think we did it. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely awesome. And I, I think something that kind of like stood out to me on the album is I feel like it has kind of like the raw feeling of like a live show. Uh, was that something that was kind of like intentional on your part? Um, I feel like we have a, a pretty good live show. Like I feel like our first EP didn't really capture, like I think we, we excel in the live environment. So the closer we could be to that, I think is um, at least from my opinion, speaking for myself, like where I think we sound best in recording. So like, um, I guess just, yeah, maintaining some of the looseness. Uh, we did like some overdubs and stuff, but I mean, most of my guitars just doubled. Like we do, we do a take, we recorded it like full band. So like some of those tracks, like Sharpshooter, that was all one take essentially. Like we tried it a few times, but like, it's like, oh, that one's good enough. Let's go with that. So like, I guess in that sense, it does have somewhat of a live feel, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, how was that kind of process of, like, knowing that, you know, kind of it was less, um, I guess, like, less kind of, like, overthinking things and less, uh, like, the repetition and, like, the attention to, like, the minuscule details and stuff. How was it kind of, like, embracing the other side of it? I feel like it was good. I mean, I, I think there were some songs that, we definitely like I redid guitars for a couple Julia redid keys for a couple um so like if there was a, a noticeable mistake or something that didn't come out quite right um I, I knew I could do it again if need be but like I think there was like some of the overdubs like the some of the my guitar solos if I like double it they I'm playing two different things because I never really play the same solo twice <laughs> so like there were some points where I'm it, it sounds like I'm playing two different things because I actually am. And it was just completely spur of the moment. And I kind of like that sort of flavor. Um, I think we all kind of improvise a little bit every time we play the songs. Um, so it's just kind of like, oh, what are we going to get this time? And I'm happy with the takes we captured. But there was also some moments like we needed to make sure that the car crash vocals were all very evenly mixed and like, enunciated properly because it's such a vocally centric song so that was mm -hmm. one like I guess we took a little more time with and, and like um kind of going off that like the idea of the vocals especially in car crash daydreams like being kind of at the center of attention like how does that 
affect kind of like the writing process between like the instrumentals and the vocals and lyrics. I feel like that was one where when I, the melody came to me, like I knew it was going to be like, if I, if I come up with a good vocal melody, I'm like, damn, okay. I want that to be, I want to like savor it. Cause it, <laughs> I feel like those are difficult to come up with sometimes. Um, so like, I knew that it was, I liked the hook and I liked how the, the words sounded. So I was like, all right, I'll lay off a little bit on the technicality of the guitar. So it's, it's all power chords in that song. And like, I feel like, um, to serve like the lightness or sort of like the softness of some of those verses, we all just kind of reined back um, in the, like the frills that we sometimes might add to louder parts where we like to add fills um, or little solos and stuff. So yeah, I guess like we, we all knew that it was a vocally centric song. So we kind of just like kept that in mind. You had mentioned kind of like, basking in like cool vocal melodies and I feel like a lot of the ones throughout the album are are like very kind of like interesting and like unique in like their delivery and kind of like the like the rhythm of them and stuff were there any kind of like specific influence that influences that you had as far as like that side of things it's hard to say I mean I'm always influenced by uh level up which I don't know if you really hear that much but like I love the way that they I mean, that's another band with three different vocalists. Um, I think we're all influenced by um, Marissa Device and Mannequin Pussy. And just the fact that she will scream <laughs> one song and then the next song will just be like a perfect power pop song. <laughs> um, I, I guess we like bands that have a lot of different vocal approaches, like to suit whatever mood we're feeling at the time. So mm-hmm. like Mannequin Pussy, huge influence on Sharpshooter. Um, I feel like... Uh, Strange Ranger, I, I guess, is maybe what I had in mind for Car Crash when I wrote that. Um, I guess there's parts, like, it's, I, I never really think, like, oh, I, I'm gonna, I really want to do kind of what this band is doing. It's kind of like whatever I'm listening to. But I do remember when I wrote some of the parts, vocal parts of Dead to the World, um, I was like, damn, that's almost kind of Chris Farrany. Uh <laughs> And these are just my own internal references. I don't know if they actually translate, but like, it's usually like an afterthought that I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of like this. That's cool. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really cool that um, the band's sound isn't kind of like pigeonholed and that you're able to have that kind of leeway where you can bring in these different sides of things for sure. <laughs> yeah, we definitely like it that way. And we talk about this, but it's also like we don't really know how to make it any other way. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're still a very young band, but like I feel like it's hard for us to describe what we sound like to people because we honestly don't know what we sound like in some ways um (laughs) so i guess that's another reason why i say like i feel like our live show gives a good idea of what we're about because it's more of like a a, so to speak a vibe so to speak than a a specific (laughs) sound you know (laughs) yeah definitely um and i feel like the two kind of bands that immediately came to my mind when i first listened were like uh diva sweetly and retirement party i'm very flattered by that uh we all were (laughs) diva sweetly is the fucking I mean I love the retirement party but I really love Dina Sweetly and um yeah that when that record came out earlier this year that was another thing I kind of recognized I was like oh cool this is another band with four members uh there's some keys going on they kind of have their sound is all over the place almost all of them sing I was like oh Smithers could one day aspire to be like that so <laughs> the fact that anyone picked up on that 
uh, really cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, I uh, saw them live when they did that tour with Aaron West, and they were like, the live show was like so good. So that, that probably harkens back to Swither as well. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I saw them in, at Fest last year when they were the the, sh- the set was billed as a Pictures of Vernon set. But then they got up there like, hey, we're not really Pictures of Vernon anymore. We're Diva Suida now. And they just like played Diva Suida songs and everyone was confused. But I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's rad. And, and I'm curious, like, as a music writer, music critic, however you want to kind of like phrase it, does that like affect the way you approach the music? Uh, I thought about that. I don't think it does and I think that's good because if it did I don't think I would write any music I think I would just be like paralyzed I I feel like I'm somehow able to compartmentalize the two things and like I don't think about my songs the way that I would if I was hearing someone else's um I don't try to like think about how Swither would fit into the (laughs) the broader narrative or anything and I don't even really think about getting Swither press or like the idea of talking about my own music the way that I talk about other people's music like just doesn't register for me which is why like another reason why I have trouble like describing what we sound like because I feel like I just don't really know um (laughs) but so I wouldn't say it I I wouldn't say that it affects it I mean other than the fact that because of my job I I just sit around listening to music all day so I probably draw various influences from just what I'm listening to both for pleasure and kind of for work which is often a combination of both but like just like I think um like I think it's I I don't really think of the two as that similar um and I think it's just like what I'm listening to as while doing my writing work probably has uh, an like an influence I can't point to on my own music but there's nothing that I'm thinking about consciously and I definitely don't think about like how the music I'm writing would compare to other bands the way that I would when I listen to another band, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And that's, I feel like that, like you said, that's probably a good thing that you're not like kind of in your head in that way um, and able to just kind of like let whatever passions and uh, inspiration you have kind of like flow. (laughs) And um, I guess just like kind of the general feel of the lyrics to me is like, um, you know, kind of like a lighthearted take on kind of like some pretty serious feelings. Uh, could you talk a little bit about like that kind of mindset and how you go into like the lyric writing? Sure. Um, well, I think like most of the things I've said, it's not, there's not a whole lot of intent. I think that um, I pretty much only write lyrics when I am inspired, which I, I, it's not necessarily the best artistic practice. Um, but I can't, it's hard for me to sit down and write about things that are like intentionally write things that are serious or that I'm dealing with or whatnot. Um, but kind of when it comes to me, I, it just all flows out to a song usually all at once. Um, so that's, that was the case for songs like dead to the world, um, Christmas, uh, sharpshooter, I guess. Those are some of the more, I guess somewhat darker ones on the album, but sometimes it's just, yeah. And then sometimes I feel like I just have kind of an absurd sense of humor and <laughs> I just like that, that'll just come out in my writing. Even if I'm writing about something kind of serious, it's always, I always like to be somewhat self-deprecating about it. And I don't know. 
Yeah, for sure. And um, I, I would say the sense of humor definitely comes out in Helter Seltzer, which is like <laughs> such a great song name, but uh, Seltzer is not for me at all. <laughs> not a Seltzer guy. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, could you talk a little bit about that one? So first of all, the name, uh, Hayden created that name, so you got to give him the props for that. Um, <laughs> that was actually one of the first ones I ever wrote for Swither. Um, me and some friends lived on like this, the top of this neighborhood that's like on a huge hill. Pittsburgh's very, very hilly. And um, I had to walk down this like insane decline to get to bus stop or anywhere. So I would constantly walk me up and down to go to the grocery store and like where I'd buy seltzer because I like seltzer a lot. And uh, <laughs> kind of just gave me the idea of like, oh yeah, I guess this, this is what I do for seltzer. Like I'll do anything for seltzer, I guess. And <laughs> I guess at that point, that was like that that song was on our ep we put out like i was writing more silly songs at that point um and i was just like you know what i gotta i gotta write a song about seltzer i just i I gotta do it to him so (laughs) i wrote a couple verses hayden wrote the verse that he sings um and we all love seltz so it's uh It's a fun one for us to play, always. <laughs> yeah, it's quite the epic journey and ode to seltzer. <laughs> and I, I feel like a lot of these songs are kind of like more introspective and like talking about kind of how you deal with the world rather than kind of like the world itself. And mm-hmm. I'm curious about that kind of like perspective on things. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of something I, I reference a little bit just very briefly in one of the lines in Dead to the World about like promising myself that I was going to write songs about things more important than me. Um, <laughs> Cause I don't, I haven't yet, uh, at least not released. Um, I guess for me, like it just in the, in the past couple of years, like it's been easy for me to write about whatever anxieties uh, I've, I've gone through at the time since, you know, graduating college, moving to a new place, all that uh, early 20 something, angst um has kind of just flowed out in an introspective way um but i mean that's my personal writing style i feel like hayden writes a little bit differently than me um and and i know when when we have songs they're gonna have julia's lyrics in it like she writes differently too um but going forward like a goal of ours definitely that we've talked about is to have like some more political lyrics because that's something we're all very passionate about. Um, and although like writing introspectively is probably always something we're going to do. Cause I feel like we're all pretty introspective in our heads type people. Um, I, I kind of, I feel like I got a lot out with this record and a lot of feelings that I don't really feel anymore, but I maybe felt within the past couple of years and I'm ready to start approaching new topics. Um, so introspection is cool, but, um, you know, maybe it won't be like that going forward. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, was that, do you feel like the um, being able to write it down is kind of something that helped you work through it? Or is it more like just enough time has passed and like personal growth and stuff that now it's not quite the same? I feel like a combination of both. It's definitely cathartic to write, to talk about what's bothering you. Um, <laughs> that's kind of a you know, a given, but like, yeah, being able to talk about it and then being able to like sing about it in front of people is always kind of nerve wracking, um, especially people who like know me well. Um, but 
yeah, and then and then having it there as like a timestamp. I, I mean, a lot of things on this record, like I said, like I felt like the anxieties about my job or like what I was doing professionally when I wasn't in a career that I was happy with or I wasn't I wasn't doing work that I was happy. But like my life has changed a lot in the last year, so like they're like, oh, this is this is a very good showing of where I was in 2018, early 2019, but. Um, you know, in that way, it feels like it feels like a cathartic release because I can mm-hmm. see it like a tangible product of what's behind me. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I, I saw a tweet uh, today where I, it was someone saying like bands, DIY bands, make sure you put like the years of the shows on your flyer. That way, like it's, it'll be something to look back on and like jog those memories even more. And mm. I feel like music can definitely be like the specific music can be the, the time capsule in like a similar way to that. And I feel like a lot of the lyrical content um, is kind of about like, there's a few songs like about not really being able to form like meaningful connections or like sustain relationships and like uh, mutual friend being about like online life versus, you know, social anxiety in the real world. Um, I guess, could you talk a little bit about um, just like that and the ideas behind it? Mutual friends specifically is one, I think it's like the one like relatively silly one outside of seltzer that I put on there because although it's like an, something we, at least me, Hayden, and I, I think Pat, I could speak for those two. Julia is a lot more outgoing than the three of us. Um, <laughs> I'll have like social anxiety of some sort and we all are on the net. So I just, you know, there would be all these people that, you know, you're friends with online. You're, you're even maybe you like physically talk, maybe you even talk to them online outside of just liking each other's stuff. And then, you see them at the show or whatever and you're like pretend you don't know each other because you're too nervous um <laughs> it's just like the most millennial shit obviously <laughs> shit. so like yeah i guess that was just like something i felt over and over again i'm like you know what i need to write a song about this so and like um how do you kind of like think that affects like the band or like the way you approach the band us being kind of awkward yeah <laughs> Um, I don't think it's affected us too much. I, I think that we all, we all are very like, I'd like to think we're all very friendly people and definitely can, can be extremely social, um, in certain environments we're comfortable in. But I guess like, you know, if we're in, if we're playing a show where we don't know anyone on the bill, um, we're not playing with friends, maybe if we're playing like a new venue in town that we haven't played at before with like different audiences and normal, like, I guess I could just speak for myself. Like I'd be a little, I could sometimes be a little intimidated by a new social setting and kind of just not be as open or like, you know, comfortable in that setting as I normally would be. Um, <laughs> so I guess maybe I just wouldn't be as insane on stage or like, it's definitely something we all like feel to an extent on just that disconnect between online and, and IRL. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I feel you. Yeah. Um, but I, I did want to hit on, I know you, you mentioned it kind of like a couple times, I wanted to hit on Sharpshooter, which I feel like um, is kind of like a standout in the album as like kind of the harder song. And um, I guess kind of like about life turning out a little different than you expected and um, not knowing kind of what you actually want. Uh, and I'm curious, like, was that when you wrote that, was it, uh, did you have like Julia's voice specifically in mind for that? Or like, how did that kind of come together? 
that yeah it's interesting I, I that was one of the ones there's one in the relative like second batch of Swither songs they wrote so like so I think I wrote that and we had it we were playing it just before Julia moved to Pittsburgh and started the band or joined the band but um I knew it wasn't like finished it was kind of missing something and then I, I didn't think the keyboards would fit on it so I was like, Julia just like here's all the lyrics just like yell along with me or something and then <laughs> that worked out really well and she started feeling more comfortable in the song like she began to relate to the lyrics and like really like just kind of owned it and slowly as we kept playing it at live it's like one live that people really really like it's, it's, a, it's a fan fave and um <laughs> she started doing her own thing on stage and like really going wild and i started stepping like farther and farther back from the mic like literally with it and at this point i just pretty much like add harmonies every now and then and it's like a song that she it's like if that's julia's song um <laughs> so yeah i guess it's just kind of i was like you know what you can you can belt you can yell um hop on there that's really cool the way kind of like the live show um helped with like the evolution of the song were, were there any other ones that kind of uh came into their own through the live show and like repeated practicing and stuff um yeah i mean i I think orange peels the end uh that was one that hayden wrote and him and i were working on it together for a long time which is kind of how a lot of the songs have gone so far like hayden and i'll work on something and then eventually bring it to the other two um and i think we had like a an idea of how it would end but we didn't we just couldn't figure out exactly what it would sound like and then as we were playing it it started to come together and then the more we played it like we started like sort of even adding measures and eventually Pat added the part at the end where it goes into like cut time or double. I don't, I don't know. He would know the music. Term. <laughs> he would give me shit for not knowing it. Um, so like, I, I think like what I play during that section changes or, or changed a bunch as we played it live. Um, so kind of just like making tweaks all the time. I, I feel like our songs are always, we're always adding things we're always adding things and like the songs kind of just, we keep tweaking them forever. And at some point we just sort of be like, all right, there's, there's done as they're going to be for this record. But I feel like at this point there are, if you hear us play some of these tracks live now, like they're going to sound a little bit different than they even do on, on the recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I talked to glass beach a couple weeks ago, they could said like a very similar thing about just kind of like having to, put an end to it and like put it to tape and kind of like let that be the snapshot of how the song is at that moment. I, I feel like it's kind of like a special time as a band when you're kind of starting out and able to have that evolution through the live show because like so many of the, like the bigger bands are like, you know, these days they don't tend to play new stuff before it's released anymore um, mm. because of like the fear of like the YouTube videos and stuff. And um, mm. so, so I feel like that's like a really cool special thing especially as like a band starting out. Yeah, definitely one of the like the cool parts about being a DIY band is like you can kind of like, especially a band like for so long, like until obviously two weeks ago, we didn't even have an album out. So we were playing these songs for like over a year, some of them. Um, And it was just like, well, no one really knows what they sound like. So if we mess up a little bit or if we do something a little different, like it really doesn't matter as long as people (laughs) react to it. So it's kind of liberating to be a, a band that like, no one really knows that well uh, in some ways. 
Yeah, I can imagine that would be like a little bit of a weight off your shoulders as well, as far as like the stage fright aspect of things and like wanting everything to be perfect. Yeah, I I agree with that as well. Yeah. (laughs) And then um, I think probably like my personal favorite on the album is Dead to the World. Um, Like I really kind of, I feel like I connect with like the ideas behind the lyrics. Um, Could you talk a little bit about um, that one and like how that came to be? Yeah, I, I don't really actually remember exactly. I think I wrote that all in one shot. That was kind of one of those things where I was sort of thinking about those. So here, okay, here, here's, it's coming, it's coming back to me all at once. I think I wrote that <laughs> about a year ago after um, like New Year's or something. And I was like, you know, leaving my restaurant job. And I was like, you know what? I'm finally going to do all these things I've said I've wanted to do for a long time. Um, and a lot of them I didn't actually do, the ones that I'm singing about in the song. Uh, I'm still not vegan, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> One day I will be. But, like, it was sort of the idea of um, just being like, you know what, I'm going to do all these things, and hell yeah, my life's on track, and then waking up being like, you know, oh, fuck, like, I can't do this. Like, <laughs> I'm going to fall back in old habits. And just, like, that cycle just being, like, brutal um, and hard to break out of. And I feel like that was sort of, like, the tipping point when I wrote that song and, I, and then I finally decided I was going to like, you know, start making positive, like some positive changes in my life that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And, but, but I like the idea. It's, it's never like, that's such a sort of a cliche is like, Oh, I finally, I'm just going to do these things. I said, I want to do like, it's obviously so much easier said than done. And I guess that's maybe just the thesis of the song is like, I you could be so prepared to do these things and think mentally that you're ready. And then like, you just gotta you just gotta do them though (laughs) sometimes you just don't want to do them so it's kind of a song about just like knowing what you should be doing and then failing to do it and really feeling like garbage about it um and I guess it's kind of gloomy in that sense but I kind of think of it as almost like a positive simply because I feel like I'm in such a better place now than I was when I wrote it um if that makes sense yeah for sure that's I'm glad to hear that. Um, and that it makes sense the way you s- spoke about that as to why like I relate to it a lot because um, like the reason I started this podcast was because, you know, I wanted, like, I love interviewing bands and I was just like hitting this roadblock where like I would do the interview and then I would procrastinate forever on like transcribing it and then writing it up and I would just feel like so shitty about it and yeah. <laughs> like this podcast was kind of like the way that I was able to turn that around and still be able to do the stuff that I wanted to but kind of like not do the, the other stuff that I was having a hard time doing. Hey hell yeah, that's awesome. I'm happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um and uh I was curious I like to ask kind of what is just like a recent um, success and challenge that you've had, like as the band. Well, I, I do think the most recent challenge was the album. Um, but success, we just had our album release show uh, a few days ago, as of this recording. Um, and yeah, it was our, it was the first time we headlined at the venue, the Mister Roboto Project that I mentioned to you earlier. Um, and we played with some bands we're really good friends with here and it was just like really wild to think that we were I mean it was a small show but like we were still headlining at a venue that like took a chance on us just about a year earlier we were so psyched that they even like considered us and now 
we were headlining a show there with our album and it was just like what how is this even happening um <laughs> for a diy band i mean for, for our, as far as we've come and like how just like that was a big goal of us of ours was to just put out an album and we did so mm-hmm. now like we feel real good about that um but it was a challenge to make just mostly because we kept procrastinating on it for a long time we, we all have busy lives um working different jobs and stuff so like we ha- we found time to play a lot of shows but we kept being like hey let's play this show we're getting offered to play this like and, and kind of doing that instead of like grinding on the record so the record came together um kind of last minute mm-hmm. we're happy with how it came out but it was like you know it was kind of tough to time manage i guess <laughs> yeah definitely and um you've kind of like hinted at you know working on new stuff i'm curious what's kind of like the um like the stage, what kind of stage are you in with that stuff? Um, not a whole lot. Like, well, we have a new song that we've been playing for a while now. Um, I have songs written. Um, Hayden and I have both have songs written. We just need to bring them to the band. Uh, so we're close to uh, start banging out some new ones. And we're already like ready to start playing new songs, I think. Um, We'll, we'll keep playing these ones obviously but like we've been playing them for a while and like mm. i'm just stoked to get some new ones in rotation so i guess we're in the writing stage uh <laughs> we have them written some of them and and we're gonna keep going and we're, we're pretty psyched today i want to give props to the emo trash podcast for the mid-show shout out each episode of the podcast has hosts jeremy and rob speaking with a guest about a favorite album and band jeremy and rob have a wonderful chemistry and both bring passion and levity to their discussions. Whether you're a fan of the album they're discussing or not, it's always an entertaining listen. So dive in and keep your ears peeled for a ton of exciting stuff from them coming up soon. I like to wrap up by asking either just like a piece of advice or like a general like philosophy that you've had lately that um, either about music or just like life in general that you'd like to share. Advice? uh, Something I just learned, I mean, advice that I've taken from other people over the years is just like, if you put effort into something um like you will get results out of it (laughs) which is just i mean it just seems super obvious but like you know we we recorded the record for a long time and like we knew what we wanted to do with it but like it wasn't until we literally like let's actually we're actually going to do it we're actually going to start mixing we're actually going to record little vocal parts we needed um like once you once you do it and you really put the effort in like you will see the results of it um and I don't know, that's just something I'm reminded of all the time, whether it be just like the most menial little task or like with my work or with this is like, uh, yeah, hard work pays off, I guess, in short. <laughs> the last interview of 2019 has come to an end, and I'd like to express my gratitude to Eli for taking the time to talk and to you for listening. The support I've gotten for this podcast in a few short months is touching, and I'm so excited for what's being built. If you haven't already checked out the new Swither album, please correct that as soon as you can. It's a wild ride full of exciting melodies and is a whole lot of fun. A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show. We just dropped our top 75 albums of the year list, and it's a really great one, so please check it out. Also, thank you to Kaylin West of Tiny Sills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane Palermo for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyInTheCallPod. 
Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at flyinthecallpod at gmail.com. Until next time, just keep swithering, just keep swithering, just keep swithering. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.